Welcome to another edition of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over UFC 278, headlined by Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards in a rematch of a fight that took place in December of 2015 when Kamaru Usman was able to get his hand raised via decision that night against a Leon Edwards who... You know, since that night, he has not fallen victim to any other opponent. He's close to losing against Nate Diaz in that fifth round of his last fight. But since uh, the first Usman fight, he has yet to taste defeat. And that run includes uh, wins over Albert Kamenov, uh, Vicente Luque, Brian Barbarena, Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson, Rafael Dos Anjos, and then Nate Diaz. Those are the main names there but in total it's uh i believe a nine fight winning streak 10 fight unbeaten streak if you want to count that Bilal muhammad fight but very interesting path that both guys have taken since their first fight obviously kamaru usman capturing the welterweight title and continuing to reign supreme in the ufc and is on the cusp of actually surpassing anderson silva as the most consecutive wins in the ufc I believe it's going to be 16 after this weekend. So shout out to Kamar Usman breaking records, putting himself into the history books. He can do that this weekend. Uh, before we get into the breakdowns, though, shout out to everybody that's been supporting your boy throughout the day. This is the fourth live stream I've done all day. Uh, first one was the MMA Lock Talk at 4 p.m. Then I did the Prediction Strike Show with Clint at 7.30 then I hopped on with Gordo Gambos at 9 p.m. And now this will be my fourth stream of the day. But I have yet to do the MMA Lockcast this week. So I thought, what better time than to do it now? All right. Uh, let's get into the betting recap of this last event before we actually enter the breakdowns. You guys always know that I like to stay as transparent as possible. And unfortunately, it was a slight losing week last week, which halts the four-event winning streak that we were on at that time. But a little bit of overconfidence on the Dominic Cruz side comes back and bites me in the ass, is what it is. Lesson learned, let's put it that way. But let's go over the full betting slate. Let's start off with the Dominic Cruz bet. I had two units at plus 180, one unit at plus 200, and then another two units on the Cruz decision-only prop. Uh, that one obviously ends up being a push, but I do take minus three units on Dominic Cruz. Pretty much played out as uh, most people expected. I was hoping Cruz could stay a little bit safer from that big bomb that it was eventually going to land, but it eventually ends up landing. I am not going to sit here and try to make a case that anybody who bet Marlon Vera at minus 240 made a bad bet. They're the ones who ended up cashing their tickets. But in hindsight, the only thing I would change about that is not going two units deep on Dominic Cruz. I would rather have waited and just took one unit at plus 200 rather than loading up on three units and maybe even taking a little bit more on the decision-only prop rather than the money line just so I can get that push in case of whatever ended up happening, which was Marlon Vera setting Dominic Cruz's head into orbit. So again, you can't always bank on these minus 240, minus 300, minus 400 guys to go out there and pull off their one win condition, which is more often than not a knockout, right? You can't always bank on it. Eventually it's going to catch up to you. But for now, people betting that minus 240 on Marlon Vera, they get the last laugh. So I can't say too much. Where I did get the last laugh was the Coleman event where people were parlaying the David Onama minus 300, minus 400. 
And now I'm over here with my tinfoil hat saying Nate Landroy can make this a much closer fight than the odds indicate. Took my half unit shot there at plus 240. Ended up cashing that. So shout out to Nate Landwehr. Uh, you know, making a very risky uh, in that third round by not following up and going for the finish. Um, but he still gets it done, gets his hand raised, and pulls off the upset. That is the example that I want people to fall back on and 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 realize that you can't be betting big chalk on relatively newcomers, relatively unproven guys who heavily rely on knockouts to get their wins, uh, especially not against guys that are tested veterans like Nate Landwehr. We saw it twice on this card, and I was able to capitalize on it here. I predicted it in another spot, which I'll get to very shortly, but unfortunately didn't capitalize on it on an official betting standpoint, but I did manage to get some DGen money in on it. Uh, the other straight bet that I was able to cash one unit on Priscilla Cachoeira at plus 150. That one was carried over from the week before, but I was more than happy to keep it going for this card here because I expected her to go out there and put that pressure on Ariane Lipsky. And even though she didn't go out there and win a decision like I thought she would, she still managed to make it a lot more of a sweat-free spot. I'm glad she was able to cash that ticket. And she continues to come through as one of the least skilled fighters, but big power and big grit uh and, and a huge heart that's why she continues to go out there and continue to win fights it's kind of like the Derek lewis thing right like Derek lewis never really the most skilled guy in the cage but he's able to get through it with his power and his grit but that seems to be falling off now as well but i'm going to continue to ride that priscilla cashware train in viable matchups and viable scenarios and i felt like this was exactly that Lock of the night play hits, but not without controversy. Uh, five units at minus 225 on Budai cashes for plus 2.22 units. But man, I thought I was going to lose that bet. Like I legitimately thought that Brzezewski deserved to win that. I saw a lot of arguments in terms of volume versus output. Oh, sorry, uh, volume versus damage. Obviously damage. It seemed like Budai, anytime he landed, he was landing the, the heavier strikes, whereas Brzezewski was kind of just tip-tapping him from the outside and was hoping to win just based on numbers alone. Fight could have gone either way. Um, I think it was Brzezewski that deserved to win that fight. I'm happy to still cash that ticket at uh, as a lock of the night play, but I definitely learned a lot of things about Martin Budai that night. So straight picks, which continues to be a moneymaker for me, comes through at plus 1.92 units for a 20% ROI, but it is the props which end up fucking up my night. Props and parlays, I should say. Uh, let's go with the 0.25 units on Budaya plus 550 to win in round two. That doesn't even come close to hitting as Brzezewski shows off a bunch, much better gas tank than I expected from him. I also had a 0.1 unit stab on Nam to win in round three at plus 2200. I let that cloud myself from just getting away from Nam via KO, which is probably what I should have bet, uh, as that, that was the drum that I was beating on a lot throughout fight week. I hope I saved some people some money from not parlaying O'Day Osborne that night. You know, a lot of people seem very high on him. You can't you can't count out Tyson M. Even though he's 37, 38 years old, we all know that the last thing to leave a fighter's skill set or physical attributes is the power. And Tyson M showed that he still had all of that. Uh, I don't regret the 0.5 unit stab on Ontiveros in round one at plus 850 is what it is. Only thing I'd maybe change is maybe not go 0.5 units, maybe go point two or point three or something like that but uh yeah that one didn't really have a chance of hitting at all <laughs> i should just put uh took fight ends in round one or something like that 
So that crashes. Uh, also had a three-unit parlay on Mearshard Silva fight doesn't go to decision. That cashes with like what two minutes left in the fight. Big ups to Gerald Mearshard for always coming through with the violence. And then Lupi Godinez, who just puts on a very abysmal performance against Angela Hill, that misses three units at minus three, th- or sorry, three units at minus one fifty comes crashing down. Really expected that bet to hit, but unfortunately it did not. So we come out. Minus 1.93 units on the event, minus 13% ROI, slightly puts a bump in the road of the, you know, getting into the green for 2022 and and having as much success as I've had over the last couple events. But we look to get back to that this weekend with UFC 278. All right, let's see what the live chat is saying here before we move on into the... uh, into the breakdowns. Rex Lee in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. Uh, Harmon Sarai in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. Tristan Sherhouse. Harmon Sarai saying shout out to Kamaru. He is the GOAT right now, maybe. Shout out to Great. Shout out Great Work Lock. Appreciate the love, Harmon. Chris Greaves saying right on first time catching a live stream in a long time. Perfect time to just let one. I intend on doing that as soon as I hop off the stream, but I do have a couple other things that I need to finish up. Cameron saying currently 5 a.m. in the UK at the moment. Sleep? Never heard of it. You are an absolute savage, my friend. Herman Sarai was saying, will you be doing another Q&A stream before the UFC 278 event? Yes, 1 p.m. Eastern on, on fight day. Problem Kid saying, rolling a fat one. Let's get this bread, my brother. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. Uh, Chris Reeves saying 12.20 a.m. here in Canada on the afternoons this week. Too early for bed. Let's go. I'm right there with you. Whereabouts in Canada are you at? I'm assuming East Coast, but whereabouts, if you don't mind me asking. Harmon Strauss saying, good morning, Cameron, and happy trails. Love it, love it, love it. Asher Quinn saying, hashtag lock talk. You know what it is. 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow for the last one of the week. Problem Kids saying, I just want to say I was the only one who said Benitez was going to utilize his wrestling versus Charlie O, and he did. It was the clear path advantage. Um, historically, never really went to it, but he knew he needed it there. Glad that he did it. Harmon Trising, the Battle of the Jasmines was fr- so freaking awesome. Yeah, that was a great fight too. I wish I laid the chalk on Yarugui there, man. I really hope that, uh, or sorry, I really thought that she would come out victorious there. She did. You know, it's an argument whether she looked minus 200 or not, but I knew that she would win. Uh, wish I took the shot there. Chris Greaves saying, I was a dog hunter last week. Live bed drilled, so I lost a lot of value at plus 100. Landware at plus 265 and cashware at plus 190. Mwah. Chef's kiss on that plus 190 on Cashuero. Frank Jodane in the chat. Good evening, morning lock. Good to see up so late about this life, bro. You know what it is, man. We stay, we stay grinding. Chris Greaves saying, gotta take the win, whether it's controversial or not. Think of how many times any of us have been on the wrong side of a bad decision. Bingo. It all works out in the end, right? It all works out in the end. You can't cry over that type of stuff. Is what it is. Rick the Ruler, appreciate the love. Betting Prodigy, appreciate you hopping on back in. Shout out to my guy, Danny Legs. I believe on the East Coast as well, chilling, chilling with us on this late night stream. Appreciate the love, my friend. Eddie Rodriguez saying love from the Windy City. Love the Windy City. I've been there plenty of times. Love me some Giordano's as well. I miss Giordano's. I need it in my life. MMA Betting Prodigy was in the Club and Sub podcast earlier. I still need to check those guys out. Cash a bag, baby, plus 175. Love it, man. 
Good shit, Danny Legs. That's a sharp hit right there. Chris Grieve is from is from Windsor, Ontario, about four hours from Toronto. I know exactly where that is. I was actually supposed to go to uh, University of Windsor. Actually, even went down there for a uh, for a tour and all that, but never ended up pulling the trigger and going there. Um, been there a couple times. As you know, I'm from Toronto, so not too far. Problem kids saying Lipsky reminds me of Uriah Hall mentally all the time, but seems to live in her head. I agree. Goran saying what I do, what I would do to sniff nips, sniff Lipsky's toes. I will not say you are fucking hilarious, Goran. Uh, yeah, no, I, it's weird. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say she was probably on the sauce in KSW because since coming from KSW, she has not looked what she has not looked like what people expected her to be. And I have two lock of the night tickets on her that prove that exactly against Joanne Calderwood and Molly fucking McCann is what it is. Alex Pickersing, been really busy today. Hope all is well. Lock of the night, love the streams. Appreciate the love, my friend. All right, let's get into the breakdowns, right? I don't want to be on here until fucking 2 a.m. I love talking to you guys, but my voice is really feeling it. And I got two streams to do tomorrow. MMA Lock Talk and propping you up with Cody back to back. So want to keep this as efficient as possible. All right, let's get into the to the fights here. First fight of the night we're going to be looking at Victor Altamirano going up against Daniel De Silva in terms of odds we're looking at minus uh what are we getting now on Victor because I've been seeing that line move quite a lot. Minus 170, I'm seeing minus 150 on bet online as well uh on Altamirano plus 145 the return on De Silva. I feel pretty damn good about Victor Altamirano. I got to be honest. You know, I get the early, um, I, I get the early success possibility from the Daniel Lacerda side or Daniel De Silva, whatever the fuck the UFC want, wants to call him this week. But I think that Altamirano is savvy enough to stay away from any of that trouble that's going to be coming his way. You know, uh, De Silva is a, is a banshee out of that gate. You know, he's never. I don't think he's ever seen the third round. Never seen the judges' scorecards. That's for sure. But he, you know, he looks to get takedowns. He looks to use his jujitsu. He looks to use his big uh, power. But then the question comes to is his his cardio, horrible cardio, dog shit cardio. Like this guy looks like he falls off a cliff after like the third or fourth minute. And I feel like that's where Victor is going to start to thrive as he's able to really predict the movements of De Silva. And I think he'll start to pick him apart with his striking, probably finish him in the second or third round. Since you guys are here with me late night, Hopping on with me, I might as well let you guys know. I actually went four units on Victor Altamirano to make him my lock of the night play this week at minus 168. As soon as I placed that bet, I looked at a couple of the books, and then I saw that the line was dropping. I'm like, what the fuck did I miss? <laughs> I'm like, I should have been a little bit more patient. I wasn't expecting this much love to be coming in on De Silva. Um, but uh, I think it's going to start to level out around my, maybe between minus 170 and minus 160. So I'm still happy with the minus 168 that I got. Again, I, I completely understand the early trouble that could come his way because Alta Moreno's takedown defense is a little bit skeptical, but I like his ability to stay safe down there, create scrambles, get back to his feet, and then get back to his handiwork of his striking because that's where he'll have the advantage here over De Silva, not to mention the cardio advantage, which is, I think, a very big part of this fight. But what I also looked to do was uh, I took a two-unit shot on the under two-and-a-half at minus one's, uh, sorry, at minus 165. Um, I think Altamirano finishes him regardless, but at least that covers a little bit of the Daniel De Silva win condition early in this fight. Um, 
it's absolutely live. And, you know, even looking back at it now, I, I feel like I should have gone with the under two and a half as my lock of the night play, but I still feel quite confident in Alta Moreno. And there is a possibility that maybe he just plays it a little bit safer, right? Maybe De Silva plays a little bit safer and we see this fight creep over, you know, in, into that decision territory and Victor ends up winning a decision. So um, I'm hoping for a Victor second round KO. I think he styles on De Silva, you know, after that third or fourth minute. And then I think he really puts De Silva into trouble there. So um, if you like De Silva, odds, or sorry, props for, or at least full props for this fight have not been released yet. But I'd take a look at uh, De Silva round one. You know, considering his inside the distance is currently around plus 300, you got to believe that his round one is probably around plus 500 or something like that. Um Maybe even more than that. So that might be the hedge out opportunity if anybody gets cold feet on Alt Moreno. Me, not much of a hedge kind of guy, although I am kind of hedging on that under two and a half. But again, I, I feel as though I'll be able to cash both of those bets with Alt Moreno getting that second or early third round finish. Again, uh, just for anybody in the chat, I will gladly take comments and questions uh, as long as it pertains to that specific fight. If you want to talk about a different fight, let's just wait until I get to that fight, and then I will be answering some of these questions. But I got to answer some of these hilarious ones as well. Shout out to my guy, Eddie Rodriguez, with the $5 dono, saying Giordano's Deep Dish Chicago Style, baby. I love Chicago Style Pizza. There's only one good place up here in that Southern Ontario region. Chris Grieve, if you're listening Hamilton's, or sorry, Chicago style pizza shack in Hamilton. If you ever find yourself in Hamilton, make sure you hit that place up. One of the best deep dish spots I've ever tasted. But we know the home of deep dish pizzas down in Chicago. I need to make a trip down there very soon. Maybe whenever the next UFC event comes down there, I'll head down to Chicago once again. Problem kids saying De Silva is a quitter, no heart, not the kind of guy I like to bet on. And he did, and he doesn't seem to be UFC level. You know, he could get it done early. That's absolutely possible. That's why he made it to the UFC. But yes, we've seen as he starts taking steps up in competition, it's going to get harder and harder for him to truly establish that early finishing type of style that he has. Let's get some more here from Goran Pavlovich, who's saying, I see you took my comment in joking fashion. I was not joking. I will pay real money to have Lipsky cut my oxygen off by putting her long, luscious legs over me, feet down on my throat. What if you? <laughs> I need Leipzig to get a cheese grater and just have me eat. The, ugh, okay, that's too much. That's too much. I'm not even going to bother reading more. Goran, I appreciate you stopping by, my friend. <laughs> uh, from Fresno saying, who's better at the source or Pat Stay? I'm not entirely sure what that question is. Eddie Rodriguez, once again, with the $10 dono. Appreciate the love, my friend. As always, truly means a lot when you guys drop those super chats. It's never expected, but I truly appreciate whenever you guys drop it as well. Good luck this weekend as well to you, my friend. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Oh, uh, from Fresno saying, King of the Dot. Sorry, yes, I am not much of a battle rap guy myself. I apologize. Not a battle rap guy. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We're going to be talking about a bantamweight fight between Jay Perron and Arichi Lang. In terms of odds, we're going to be talking about uh, minus 140 for Arichi Lang and plus 120 the return on Jay Perron. However, you can get plus 130 still on Jay Perron on a couple of spots. Now, again, since you guys are here nice and early, I got two of my 
big plays early in this card on obviously lock on the night play on Victor Altamoreno. And then second fight, dog of the night. I'm going two units here on Jay Perron at plus 130. Or I, I think I got, sorry, I got plus 132 in sp- like specifically. Perron, solid grappler, good wrestler. You can see it on the regional scene. He's able to take guys to the ground. He's able to grind them out. You know, he shows solid durability, very difficult to put away. Uh, he's been choked out in one of his fights. That was his uh, fifth ever or sixth ever professional fight back in April of 2017. Uh, obviously, we know that recently he's been making some changes uh, in in his training camp. Obviously, he went over to Syndicate before his second last fight. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he looks, you know, truly fleshed out in that gym now. But I think we're going to see his grappling and his jiu-jitsu come into play here against Arichi Lang. Now, Arichi Lang, uh, the Mongolian murderer, you know, it's always tough to bet against the guy with that nickname, but I think that we're starting to see, you know, he can be beaten. You know, Jeff Molina had a war against him, finished, or, or you know, almost finished him, but that fight went the full 15 minutes. Cody Durden, that's the fight that I'd like to hone in on because that's kind of the blueprint that you could use to beat a guy like Arichi Lang. We're talking about Cody Durden who land five takedowns Five of 10 takedowns. So he went 50% that night with almost six minutes of control time there with some good work from on top. Um, I think Perron can replicate that. I think he can do something similar, maybe even have a little bit more success. Uh, Arichi Lang will obviously be the better striker in this matchup, um, but I'm not completely sold on his big power that he'll be able to stop a guy like Jay Perron, who we saw in his last fight, you know, eat big shots from a bigger guy in Mario Bautista and keep moving forward and keep in it. Uh, you know, close somewhat in that fight, at least in terms of being able to stay conscious. But I, I think a lot of people are kind of hopping off the Jay Perron train just because of that 10 and 5 record. But I think a lot of those losses, you know, coming earlier in his MMA career, and he's really starting to change things around, you know, bringing in the right people, bringing in the right coaches. And I think that we're going to see him go out there and have a solid outing this time around. He did have a contender series fight where he lost to a guy. Uh, who is this guy here? Uh, Dwight Joseph, who has a 12 and one record, you know, not entirely sure why he didn't get signed after that. I, I believe it was a slow paced fight if, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, yeah, you know, lost to a legit guy. So I'm not going to fault him too much for that Dwight, uh, Joseph loss. And then obviously Mario Bautista short notice fight loses that fight. So, yeah, I'm going to go Jay Perron here. Grapple heavy approach. Hopefully it comes through. Plus 132. I'm right there with you. Goran, I'm not going to block you or anything like that. I'll let you keep saying what you're saying, but I'm just not going to highlight your comments. Appreciate it. He's saying peace. <laughs> Zach Johnson saying he almost finished Molina late. Yes, if you guys remember, that was where like Jeff was like pointing to the ground and saying, "Let's go," and then he gets rocked. <laughs> I love that he called himself out on that afterwards as well. Uh, MPTV saying Richie Lang has had the tougher strength of schedule. Therefore, I'm going with the 94th ranked Richie Lang. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'll say about that, if you did actually mean that, was like he's been given those opportunities, right? Like he's been the one fighting uh, or at least been in the UFC a little bit longer to be able to fight Jeff Molina and Cody Durden. You know, if we want to talk about his regional fights, he's fighting some sketchy competition. You know what I mean? Five and one, five and three, four and four. Like a lot of the guys, even deep into his career, he's fighting have very skeptical records. You know, Kai Carr France, he lost that fight. 
It's like the only legit guy that he fought. He fought Grigory Popov earlier in his career and he lost that fight. So I'm going. I'm going uh Jay Pro here to grind this fight out. And the guys have been very fired up on social media. If you guys have been watching that as well, saying this is the biggest he's ever been, but the weight cut has been the easiest it's ever been. Hopefully you can translate that into the cage here. So yeah, give me uh Jay Pro. Problem kids saying where does Pro train? Uh Syndicate MMA, which is Vegas under John Wood. Uh, MPTV saying, but Kai didn't finish him. That is correct. Eddie Rodriguez saying, what's the most attractive fight on the undercard? Uh, define attractive. Like like the fight that I expect to be the most entertaining or the hottest <laughs> matchup. <laughs> what do you mean by attractive? Uh, or do you mean from a betting perspective? Let me know. All right, let's move on to the next fight as my guy gets his question together here. We're going to be talking about a flyweight bout between Amir Albazi and Francisco Figueredo in terms of odds. We're looking at minus 475 on the chalk heavy Amir Albazi plus 380 the return on Francisco Figueredo. Um <laughs> some uh, these guys are hilarious just see um uh yeah this guy this guy's killing me right now I didn't see myself getting added to any chats. <laughs> but it is killing me. I'll say that. All right. Um, <laughs> you guys are hilarious. Uh, let's see here. One more thing from Problem the Kids saying Piranha Hands will probably look better than two. They should. I'm not banking on it, but we'll see. All right, like I said, uh, Abazi, big favorite here. He should roll. You know, I think he's one of the... Um, uh, I think he's one of the uh, more promising prospects at 125 pounds. You know, I think he has wrestling. Obviously, he's shown that over his last couple of fights. You know, that's kind of what won him. The Zalgas-Sumagula fight, which I expect to be a much tougher fight than what he's going to be getting this weekend against Francisco Figueredo. His hands are coming together, which is a big sign of, uh, you know, improvement. The kid's still young, right? The kid's only 28 years old. It's unfortunate that we haven't seen him in the cage for nearly a year and a half, but I feel like this that this is a great opportunity for him to go out there and prove why, you know, he's one of the top guys in this flyweight division and why he'll likely be, you know, in that maybe top eight of this division if he continues his ascent the way that he is. Uh, Figueredo, we, we know what we're getting with him, right? Like he's quite low level. How he's still squeaking out victories inside the UFC is because being guys like Jerome Rivera, who you know just needs to pull the trigger a little bit more, and he could add a little bit more success in the UFC. Loses a decision to my guy Malcolm Gordon, and then knee bars Daniel da Silva. But you know, if Francisco didn't get finished earlier, 
then he'll probably would have finished De Silva later in that fight regardless. But uh, yeah, I think that this is a tough match matchup for Figueiredo. His only way to win this fight is if he knocks out Amira Albazi early. I just don't see that happening. I love Amira here. I think he's worth the chalk. I think he absolutely destroys this kid. So give me Amira Albazi. I don't mind the chalk at all. Pretty easy fight to break down. I'm wondering if anybody in the chat has any um, has any question marks about this fight and why. Abazi is deserving of being a big favorite. MPTV saying, is it possible that Figgy could sweep Abazi? Maybe. But like, I don't expect him to have tremendous success, even if he does. I think Abazi can either get his own sweep back or even work back to his feet. Problem Kids saying it, how it should be said. Figgy brother is dog shit. There we go. <laughs> There's always the shittier brother, right? There's never, you know, if you guys can show me an MMA brother or sister duo that is both very successful in MMA, I'd be surprised. There's always the shittier brother, right? Valentin Overeem, Alexander Emelianenko, uh, Ninja Hua. I don't want to disrespect Ninja too much, but like, you guys know what I mean. Zach Johnson saying, wish figure, exactly. Cameron saying, Bazi by decision. I wouldn't rule out him possibly getting an early finish here as well. MPTV saying, better to be Francisco than Herbert. Exactly, there you go. Herbert Burns, another unfortunate brother tandem. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next fight here. It's a 170-pound fight between AJ Fletcher and Angel Lusa. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 150, minus 155 on Fletcher, plus 135 the return on Lusa. Now, I just got off a stream recently with my guy, uh, Gordo Gambos, right? He seems to be pretty high on Lusa. Feels pretty good about him. Feels like his striking will eventually find the button of Fletcher and whether he finishes him or even just touches him up on the feet to win a decision that way. I see his argument a little bit, right? Like, I think Lusa is definitely the better striker here. But I think that Fletcher, you know, that grinding grappling style is eventually going to catch up with Lusa. I think we see Fletcher land takedowns here, you know, with a little bit of resistance, but uh, we've seen him eat some big damage in the past and continue to move forward. You know, Matthew Samuelsberger hit him with some big shots, was not able to get him out of there either. Um, Lusa, I, I think he's turning into the Mike Pyle type of guy, right? Because he's from Killcliffe FC. You know, all I've ever heard from guys down there, Gilbert Burns, maybe even Michael Chandler has said his name a couple of times, but a lot of people are high on Lusa. Just not able to show it in the, you know, when the, when the, when the bright, uh, when the brights are lightest, <laughs> when the lights are brightest. Um, I, I just think that Fletcher has too good of a, a grappling game for Lusa to have much success in this spot. So I'll lean Fletcher. I'm just not the most high on on taking that that prop on him, or sorry, the 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 minus 160 on him here, but he should win. Like he should win at a decent clip. Um yeah, give me Fletcher, Fletcher by decision. Not too much to really say about it outside of that. Lusa by KO is live though but I don't think so. Jimmy the Drunk in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by saying, Bone Goat Lock. I hope I'm uh, reading that correctly. <laughs> Jake Noker in the chat. Feed me Fletcher on minus 155. I hear you. Also, Jake, please let me know if I am pronouncing your last name correctly. Noker, right? Is that what it is? Zach Johnson saying Sherbert Burns. <laughs> I love it. 
Eddie got Fletcher. I'm right there with you, my friend. Problem kids saying Lusa is big for no reason. Uh, is how they say it for a dude who is so big and athletic, he doesn't fight like it. Exactly. No Ecker. Jake No Ecker. Love it. Jasher, get on the trap. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. John Bones Goat Luck. Okay, got it. I like it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next fight. Not too many big thoughts on that matchup. I'm going with AJ Fletcher. All right, let's move on to the next one here. It's a flyweight women's bout between Miranda Maverick, who's coming in as a minus 600 favorite, plus 450 the return on Shanna Young. Now, these women have actually fought in a exhibition match uh, three years ago, just, just about three years ago, when Miranda Maverick was able to submit Shanna Young via rear naked choke halfway into the first round. Now, if you guys remember, that was a part of their uh, Invicta Phoenix Series one-night tournament event that Miranda Maverick actually ended up winning. She uh, defeated Victoria Leonardo first by decision. I believe that was only one round, though. Yeah, one five-minute round. She beat her by decision there. Uh, chokes out Shannon Young in the next fight and then be beats Deanna Bennett in the main event, or sorry, at least in the finals. That was a three-by-five-minute round fight. She was able to choke her out in the third round there. And that was actually avenging her loss that she had to Deanna Bennett seven months prior to that. So you see the improvements in Miranda Maverick's game in even small doses, right? Obviously, in the UFC, she's Fumble the bag ever so slightly against Macy Barber. Obviously, she deserved to win that fight. That's probably the biggest robbery, robbery in UFC history. And then Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, you know, we know what Blanchfield brings to the table. And I cannot wait to put all my money on Aaron Blanchfield against Molly McCann. Although, I'm assuming we're going to get heavy, heavy chalk on Aaron Blanchfield that night. Uh, but we did see... Miranda Maverick go out there and choke out Sabina Mazzo in round two of her last fight back in March, where she was a minus 370 favorite. I believe that night is when I had her parlayed with Magomed Ankalaev, who defeated Tiago Santos that night as my lock of the night play. Miranda Maverick is that reliable chick, in my opinion, right? Depending on the matchup, you know, she arguably won the Macy Barber fight. The Aaron Blanchfield fight was a tough one, right? We saw a lot of money coming in on Aaron that fight, which actually ended up making Aaron the, f the favorite come fight time. So there's a lot of hype on Aaron Blanchfield. She showed why that night, especially against a highly touted prospect in Miranda Maverick as well. Maverick striking is slowly coming along. Her grappling is probably her best, you know, a trait um, or best strength in the, inside the cage, her best skill set, using her strength against her opponents, getting them into bad positions, beating them up on the feet, and then opening up, opening up submission opportunities for herself. I think moving over to Elevation Fight Team the way that she did over the last couple of fights is a, a great spot. Like, I think it's it's the perfect move for her. She was only going to be able to go so far, you know, fighting out of Missouri, out of Mack and Summers' gym. She was only going to get so far. Now she has legitimate training partners, legitimate coaches. Shout out to my guy, Elliot Marshall. I think they're going to have her prepped and ready to go. I think this is an easy matchup for her, which is why she's minus 600. Props is probably the best way to attack this. Maybe... Maverick inside the distance, which currently sits at plus 125. I think she eventually eventually opens up a finishing opportunity for herself and snatches it up here. Uh, I do have Maverick a part of a, uh, a four-legger that I have. Not often that I make a official four-leg parlays, but there's a couple of spots here I feel like are shoe-win spots, and I want to take advantage of them. That being one of them, Albazi being another one of them, there are two more throughout this card that we'll talk about very shortly. But give me Miranda Maverick. Shannon Young might have the 
slight technical striking advantage, but I think she's going to struggle with the grappling of Maverick just as she did in the first fight. So give me Miranda Maverick. Oh, Karen saying plus 200 for a Fletcher decision is tasty. I like it. I don't mind that myself. Jazz Shergo saying, and you, I hate to say it because I want Usman to win so Chamayev murders him, but Leon is going to get it done. Wow. Big, big take there from my guy, Jazz. Maverick round one and Maverick inside the distance is value at plus 400. Uh, I don't know about round one, but I do think that she wins this fight inside the distance. Six-man film saying Maverick by sub. It's absolutely possible. Also, I do want to give a shout-out to my guy, uh, Gordo Gambles, who brought up uh, Maverick by TKO. And the reason I bring that up is because it's currently sitting at minus... Oh, sorry, yeah, uh, plus... Wow, it's plus 550 now. I thought it was plus 900. Oh, it opened plus 900 on bet online as, and has gotten bet down to plus 550. I probably stayed off at, uh, at plus 550 now, but like the reason I'm bringing it up is because whenever people look at somebody who has a grappling advantage over their opponent, they're just like, submission is the only way they're going to win. But you guys forget about the possible ground and pound and TKO spots as well, especially if somebody's going to have a tremendous grappling advantage over their opponent, like I expect in this spot. Submissions are just as likely as the TKO, in my opinion. So if ever you see a spot where the TKO is like plus 1,200 because, you know, the grappler more often than not goes out there and gets submissions, I think it's worth taking a little bit of a poke on those outrageous TKO lines uh, in case they get a ground and pound finish rather than a, a choke of some sort. Just something to continue you guys to get you guys thinking a little bit more and remaining a little bit more open-minded. Problem kids saying Miranda Maverick used to train not far from my old gym. I remember when she was on regional, she's got insane work ethic. She is a workhorse and a half. Jake Noecker saying uh, Mav def gets a W, but don't you dare touch this fight at minus 600. I consider her for a parlay piece when she was minus 340, but minus 600 my ass. She's going to look minus 600. I'm sorry to say it. <laughs> DFS whispers in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. My friend is always Alex Ramirez in the chat. Appreciate that as well. Jake Noecker saying, are Blanchard McCann odds out yet? Praying they make Aaron like minus 130 to minus 200. They are not out yet, but I'd be surprised if they're that close. I'm assuming minus 400, Aaron Blanchfield. Oh, MPTV saying, Miranda already choked this girl out. Did Shano, will Shano make the adjustments? No, I agree. Frank Jordan saying, after last week's loopy fiasco, I'm afraid to trust Maverick, but she should be DK gold, so I can't fade her. Yes. Again, every matchup is different. Every scenario is different. So don't just say, because this happened last week, this is going to happen this week. And the biggest thing for me was, uh, fuck, what was it? Oh, a heavyweight fight. Early, I think it was earlier this year or it was last year. But I bet Curtis Blades, inside the distance, against Derek Lewis. And then ended up eating my words that night. And the following weekend was Gone versus Rosenstruck. And I was so confident in Gone, but I had concerns because of what happened the previous week. And I'm just like, heavyweights, right? Gone might not end up being worth the chalk because he could get nuked by Rosenstrike. But in the back of my head, I knew Gone was worth the chalk. There's no way Rosenstrike was going to catch him. And we saw what happened there. MPTV saying, Elliot, I like that guy. Yes, Elliot Marshall is a beast. Jazz, I will talk about the Tybora fight a little bit later when we get to that, but you may not be an idiot. Jimmy Jimmy the Drunk with the 499 dono. Appreciate the love, my friend, saying, we're skid, Alvi or Yanni the Greek. Is Yanni on a skid? 
I did not see the skid that he is currently on. Actually, he didn't do that well on contender streams from the picks that he dropped there. I'm gonna say Alvi though. I love my guy Yanni. Don't don't rag on him too much. Yanni Yanni's my guy. All right, let us move on to the next fight. We're going to be talking about a men's featherweight bout between Sean Woodson and Luis Saldana. In terms of odds, we got minus 345 on Woodson and plus 285 the return on Saldana. Now, I don't want to disparage Saldana too much as, you know, my guy Santino DeFranco is going to be uh, cornering him this weekend. And I might actually have Santino on tomorrow's uh, coach's main event marathon if he can lock down a time with me even though he's going to be helping Saldana cut weight. But I think Woodson kind of rolls in the spot. You know, his long-rangey boxing style is going to be tough for Saldana to get much success with. You know, I mean, if Saldana looks to grapple here, I don't know how much he'll have success in that realm. You know, he'll be live early, but he's going to have to really lean on a knockout to get this win because we've seen how bad his gas tank can look in, in previous fights, right? Lost and Lingo fight. Starts to drop off tremendously. The Bruno Souza fight starts to drop off tremendously. So cardio not his strong suit. He is not panning out to be the guy that I expected him to be coming off the contender series. And I think that's why he is a plus 285 underdog in this spot. I wanted to make a solid case to bet Luis Saldana, but I can't come to it. Woodson is just a better striker in this spot. And I think his takedown defense is going to be good enough to deal with Saldana, who's not really much of a grappler, right? So uh, give me Woodson, Woodson by decision, maybe Woodson round three slash decision if you guys have access to that prop because he could absolutely finish Saldana late in this fight. But yeah, I, I like I like Woodson a lot. I think we're going to see him work the body just like he did against Colin Anglin. And then I think that eventually opens up a finishing opportunity for Woodson. So give me Woodson. Again, I'm, I'm hung up between Woodson inside the distance, which is currently plus 175. Not a bad line, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. And then Woodson decision, which is currently plus 130. So also Woodson round three plus five. Oh, sorry, plus 650. People hammering that line as it was plus 900 earlier this week. Frank Jordan saying, uh, Yanni is hurting unit. That guy, dude, is an auto fade. I'd rather bet Alvi. Uh, Yanni is not that bad. He gets a, a bad rap, honestly. Stefan Peck saying, oh, of six yesterday. Yeah, everybody goes through a, a rough stretch. Problem Kid saying, Yanni's contender series picks have been dog shit. You just play the opposite of what he says. Maybe contender series is not his bread and butter. Nick saying, this feels like one of those fights that the line is too wide and will be more competitive than plus 280. I, I, it might be for the first five minutes, but after that, I think Woodson starts to take over. And then he starts looking like the minus 400 favorite that he is. MPTV saying, Lewis has these 10-second flashes that could hurt, hurt Woodson. It's not impossible, but highly improbable. Quintep said it better than myself. Shout out to you, MPTV. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We're going to be talking about a lightweight belt between Jared Flash Gordon going up against 42-year-old Leonardo Santos. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 265 on Gordon, plus 225 the return on Leo Santos. Seeing a lot of love come in for the, the old-timer here. You know, Jared Gordon opened up at minus 315. Now he's down to plus 260, or sorry, minus 265. A lot of people believe in that Santos has what it takes to beat the guy, Jared Gordon. Now, Jared Gordon, 
I prefer backing him as an underdog, right? That's why I was able to cash him against Danny Chavez. That's why I was able to cash him as Joe's, uh, against Joe Selecki. I did fumble the bag when he went up against Grant Dawson. But still, I am positive betting Jared Gordon fights. But with that said, I would much rather bet him as a slight underdog than a chalky favorite. Leo Santos absolutely has the power to put him out. Santos by KO is plus 700, which is absolutely live. Santos by sub is plus 900, which is interesting as well. But Gordon, for the most part, has solid uh, submission defense. I know he got finished by uh, Grant Dawson, which kind of surprised me, right? I really thought Gordon would get stronger as that fight went on, but Grant Dawson pulled it through and eventually got that finish himself. So shout out to him there. But I still think that Gordon has enough in the tank to go out there and get a couple of solid wins. Um, but I think that this is one of those spots that could be very iffy. So I, I'd rather stay off of parlaying Jared Gordon in this spot. I think he wins. I think he outworks Leo Santos, and I think he wins a decision. Um, but minus 265 is a little bit wild for me to take a shot on. Leo Santos is, is absolute the, uh, the value side here, but I'm not sold that he's going to be the one that actually pulls it off. Uh, last thing I'll say, I think a lot of people are going to be shitting on Leo Santos for that poor gas tank that he showed against Clay Guida. But let's not forget everything and the kitchen sink that he threw at uh, Jared Gordon, or sorry, at uh, Clay Guida in that first round. Couldn't get him out of there, spent himself trying to finish him, and that's why he looked like dog shit going into that second round. So I think we'll see a better version of his cardio this time around, unless, of course, Jared Gordon pushes the pace, which he's known to do, whether it's with his grappling, whether it's with his striking. But I think we're going to see Gordon just try to stick to his striking, get in and out, and try to land uh, enough volume to keep Santos thinking. But at a certain point, you know, that that KO might show itself for Santos to hit a plus 700. So if I'm to bet anything here, it's probably Santos by KO just for the shits. But I think that Gordon grinds this fight out Wins by decision. Gordon by decision plus 125. Probably my favorite prop in terms of, you know, what the how the winner would likely win this fight. Oh, let's see what the chat is saying here. Problem Kid saying Jared going to maul Leo. Alex C saying Santos by sub. Interesting. Jimmy the Drunk saying Leo has about four minutes to win per usual. I think we'll see a little bit better of his gas tank here, but it, it depends on the pace that Jared pushes, right? If Jared is smart, this guy's going to work him. This guy's going to put the punches on him, work the body, create action so Leo starts to gas out. Problem Kid saying, this reminds me of the Dalby and Claudio Silva fight, except Jared Gordon can actually grapple. Yes, good point. Gordon is a very underrated grappler. Problem kids saying lightweight is the one is one of the divisions where age is definitely a factor alone. Most of these guys are athletic as hell. Yes. I don't know, man. 42 is 42. You're right. MPTV saying fading is natural in a fight, but Santos turns into a non-violent hippie type. There you go. All right. So I'll go uh I'll go Gordon, Gordon by decision. That brings us to our prelim headliner. To fight between heavyweights here. We got Marcin Tybura coming in as a plus 290 dog. Minus 350, the return on Alexander King Kong Romanov. Now, going into taping this fight, actually, you know what? Let me sip my water real quick because I can feel my throat getting a little bit scratchy. Now, going into taping this fight, 
I really wanted to make a case for Marcin Tabor to win this fight. And it's absolutely possible, right? He's more experienced, fought a better level of competition. He's not this pushover like Chase Sherman and Jared Vandera are. And he can actually provide some legitimate resistance to Alexander Romanov. I see it. I get it. But I think he's going to struggle with the, the grappling of Romanov. I think Romanov gets him down. I think Romanov does absolute work on top. And I think he gets him out of there within two rounds. But Tybor is tough. You know, I think he's a brown belt, maybe black belt in BJJ. I don't know how good he is off of his back, though. That's something that, you know, we haven't seen him have to deal with a whole lot. He has an 80% takedown defense rate, but we know that the wrestling of Romanov is a different level. I get the arguments for Tybor, and Tybor is the obvious money line side here. There's a reason I'm not parlaying Alexander Romanov at all in this spot, because Tybor is live as hell. But Tybor is the perfect barometer that we need to see Romanov go up against in terms of seeing whether that Romanov can actually be championship material. Marching Tybor will provide the resistance required for Romanov to have to dig deep and pull out this victory. I just can't get to the betting window to bet that Marching Tybor aside. I really can't do it. You know, Romanov, we're seeing a much better physical version of him, right? A much better physique. And not just that one picture that's kind of circulating Twitter at this time, but like even some of the earlier pictures that we're seeing on Instagram of him training over there in Thailand. You know, that's another part of his game that a lot of people are overlooking is that he's actually trying to spread his wings and get more looks out there, you know, improve his striking game, something that's probably the weakest part of his game. But I think the other weak part of his game, the the, the Juan Espino fight in particular, where he actually, you know, faces resistance, Faces a guy that's not just going to succumb to that grapple-heavy top pressure that Romanov likes to impose. That's the first fight we saw it. But the difference between Espino and Tybura is that Espino has a legitimate wrestling background. I get it, Tybura is a high-level BJJ specialist. Okay, maybe a high level is pushing it. <laughs> but he is a BJJ specialist. That's something that he can do. But how certain are we that he's going to go out there and get these reversals? How certain are we that he's going to pull off a submission off of his back? I think it's going to, that's going to be tough. You know, Romanov in that fight against Espino really pushed himself. He really faced adversity that night. And I think that's why he decided to go out there and take care of his physique, try to come in better shape, try to work on that conditioning, because it's going to get harder and harder to not, you know, or sorry, to, to compete with the, the higher level of heavyweights in the UFC because you're not fighting tomato cans anymore. And I think he realized that in the Espino fight. That's why we see him in much better conditioning, and or sorry, much better shape. Conditioning is still TBD. We'll find that out this weekend. But in terms of shape, you got to believe that means that we'll likely see a better conditioned version of him come Saturday night. But I'm not willing to pay minus 400 on that to find out that night. So remember David Onama last week? Remember Oday Osborne last week? I say it time and time again, like guys that are finish reliant going up against legit experienced heavyweights, we can't back them at chalk. You can predict you can predict them to win. Sure, go for it. But in terms of actually putting money where your mouth is, you got to be very careful laying that type of chalk against guys that are relatively unproven against legitimate competition. That's where Romanov is here. I wish I could get to the betting window and bet Tybura. I feel like I'm going to be kicking myself come Saturday night, but I just feel like this is one of those spots where he's not going to be able to overcome the wrestling and that top pressure of Romanov here. So give me Romanov, 
give me Romanov inside the distance. I see a lot of people trying to be cheeky with that over one and a half because it's all the way up to minus 175 right now. But I'm not counting out the possibility that Romanov just gets him down early and smashes him early as well. Again, people don't want to hear that. Even the people back in Tybor, they don't want to hear that because they think Tybor will be able to survive. But I think that Romanov still gets it done early. This fight as a whole, though, no bet, not touching it. Um, Josh Shergo with the $10 dono. Appreciate the love, my friend. Saying early morning, brother. Catch you later. Rock hold inside the distance. Y'all must have forgot. Wow. Big, big call there. Frank Jordan saying, uh, okay, you guys are still talking about the younger fighter thing. MPTV saying best dog on the card, Marcin. He will give you the value. I just don't know if he end up, ends up uh, cashing that ticket, though. Jimmy the Drunk saying, speaking of Romanov, where the fuck is Juan Espino? I don't know. That guy needs to get back in the cage because age is not on his side. You want to talk about 42-year-old Leonardo Santos. Last time I checked, Espino was pushing 40. So, yeah, that guy's got to get uh, get in there. Problem kid saying Romanov is way too big for Tabora. When's the last time we've seen someone like Romanov versus him? Tabora is a big boy too. Let's not overlook that, right? Let's look at the um, let's look at the actual metrics here. Uh, according to UFC stats, which could be off every now and then, uh, six foot two Romanov versus the six foot three Marcin Tabora. Seventy five inch reach for Romanov. Seventy eight inch reach for Marcin Tabora. Tabora is a big boy. Again, Romanov may not show that in his reach and his height, but he's a big boy too. But let's not overlook how big Tybura is as well. Nick saying Romanov is the easiest taping ever. Takedown smash. Good game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Alex, you saying I like betting the Polish fighters but can't with Tybura, especially versus Romanov. Problem kid saying Espino ha also has had underrated jujitsu. Yes, he did. Appreciate you stopping by, Eddie Rodriguez. I feel like it is a late night for you. It's all good. Uh, Alex, you saying O'Day is dead to me. Uh, Jimmy the Drunk saying either we forgot Rockhold of eight years ago or Jazz forgot Rockhold of three years ago. Maybe. Appreciate you stopping by, Eddie. And good luck this weekend if I don't see you again this week. MPTV saying drop a hedge bet on Tybura. I'm not betting Romanov. I'm not touching that fight. I'm not. I, I see the sides on both sides. Value is clearly on Tybura. Just can't do it myself. Frank Jordan saying Tabura is a risky play, but he crushes DK Slade if he wins. That's true. Albert Hinojosa is saying uh, he is hurt, and I believe he's talking about Juan Espino. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. Let me let me get the actual age here on Juan Espino because he has a short time frame left. Uh, October 9th, another October baby. baby. Shout out to anybody that listened to the uh, Gordo Gambles podcast I was talking about early, but so many people born in fucking October. But October 9th, he'll be 42 years old. You know, you can get away with being older uh, in the heavyweight division, but at a certain point, you got to get get more active. Problem kids saying, I thought Romanov was way bigger. Nice catch. I'll catch wins and see, excuse me, and see what's up. There you go. <clears throat> All right, let's get to the main car. But before we do, shout out to the... 50 live viewers that we currently have 
1 a.m. on a Thursday morning, a.k.a. Wednesday night. Appreciate the love. Appreciate the support. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe if you haven't already. If you're listening to this on podcasting platforms, make sure you guys rate and review as well on uh, the, the podcast, Apple Podcast, whatever the hell it is. To show your support, right? The least you guys can do, hit that like, hit that subscribe. That's all I ever ask. If you guys want to go the extra mile, the best way to do so is hitting up the Patreon. Link is in the description below. Five bucks a month. Simply put. That's the best way to support your boy. All right. <clears throat> Main card time, and we're going to be talking about a light heavyweight slobber knocker to kick off the card. We're going to be talking about Tyson Pedro coming in as the biggest betting favorite on the card. He's coming in at minus 750. He's going up against Harry Hunsucker, who looks to make his light heavyweight debut here, coming in at plus 540. I get it. Harry, Sun Harry Hunsucker sucks. He's not a good fighter. He has pretty much relied on finishing his opponents or getting finished himself. He has never seen the second round in professional MMA fights. Out of the 12 total fights he's had in his professional MMA career, never seen the second round. That's insane. That is uh, a testament to how he fights, right? He goes out there, he either gets the early finish or he gasses himself out three to four minutes into that round and eventually gets finished himself. I could not imagine playing minus 800 on Tyson Pedro. Yes, he should smash here. But this is a fight between two guys that hit very hard and are capable of knocking each other the fuck out or finishing each other. You know, maybe we get a Hunsucker Kimura or some shit. But Tyson Pedro is not a guy that you want to be trusting at minus 800. Take violence instead. If you have access to alternate totals, under two and a half, minus 770. I would rather take that than Tyson Pedro at minus 800. But the spot probably is the under one and a half at minus 375, minus 350. Like I said, Hunsucker, never seen the second round. I don't think it's going to happen either in his light heavyweight debut. I don't think we see a more polished version of him, you know, taking it easy. I think we still see him gas out after that second or third minute. And I think we see Pedro, uh, Pedro eventually finish him in that you know, maybe fourth or fifth minute. But I am not counting out the possibility of taking a maybe even 0.1 unit play on a Hunsucker to win by round one KO, which currently sits at plus 2200. It's possible. At, at this level, again, Tyson Pedro, I don't think he's that great. He's okay. But I think a lot of his persona, his looks, his attraction to the Australian crowd... I think that's why he continues to be this big, big favorite. But again, it's Hunsucker at the end of the day. Probably one of the worst fighters we've ever seen grace the octagon. This fight's going to be violent. It's going to be quick. The under one and a half, I have that parlayed with that four-legger that I was talking about. But I think we see this fight finish pretty early. I think it's Pedro who ends up getting his hand raised here. But do not get caught with your hands in the cookie jar trying to parlay him at minus 750. It does nothing for your parlay. I promise you. Take violence instead if you are forced to bet this fight. So if you're betting anything at all, <laughs> you know, as a straight play, as, as just one bet, you know, no parlay or anything like that, it's probably the Hunsucker round one KO. Oh, do, 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 do. Nick said the over-under should be 0.5 rounds on this one. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Alex, he's saying Hunsucker and his media day really convinced me. Did he? I, I didn't see it myself. Problem Kid saying, even assuming Harry knocks him down, Pedro has way better grappling, but that price 
Fuck no. Exactly. Uh, Alex C is saying Hunter Kakeo first round plus 1600. I'm seeing plus 2200 on bet online. Be careful, Parlin Pedro. Nick said that's wild. It's basically his win condition and he goes from plus 550 to almost plus 2000. Exactly. Why bet anything else? Why even bet his money line? Just take the fucking round one KO. Round one submission is possible in KC clubs and subs. It might get Pedro as a better ground guy there, but like we've seen. We've seen Hansaker pull off the submission on regional fights. If he hurts Pedro enough, maybe he ends up getting a submission of his own. Pedro's not that good, guys. All right. Pedro, first round KO. <laughs> That's the prediction. But uh, I'll likely take a little bit of a stab on Hansaker round one KO as well. All right, next fight. I'm going to gloss over this one because I don't think anybody really cares about it nor do I think that there's much betting value on it. Lucy Putilova going up against Wu Yanan. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 120 on Lucy Putilova, plus 100 the return on Wu Yanan. Seeing some money come in on Wu Yanan on Bet Online, which actually has Putilova closer to minus 115. The only way I'd look to bet this fight is if Putilova actually becomes plus money. Excuse me. I think she's the better, more effective striker. I think she'll land the better strikes. And I wouldn't count out the possibility of her possibly taking this fight to the ground. She got cut by the UFC the first time. She, you know, got a couple wins on the regional scene, ends up fighting her way back to the UFC. But something that I saw on her regional tape was she doesn't mind mixing it up and going for her own takedowns now. She's finally realized that takedowns sometimes can win fights, especially in close fights. And she's absolutely possible to do that here or live to do that here against Wu Yunan. But even if this plays out to be a 50-minute kickboxing match, which will likely be, you know, the obvious outcome of this fight, this fight's a toss-up. It's going to be the power of Pudilova against the volume of Wu Yanan. I do lean more so on the Pudilova side, but I am not, you know, run into the betting window to play this fight at all unless she becomes plus money. At that point, I'd probably only even wager one unit. Pudilova by decision is plus 110. I'd rather just play the money line, obviously, if it's not off by too many points there. But that's likely going to be the path for this fight. I don't know why they put it on the main card, is what it is. But uh, yeah, I think Pudilova wins that fight. Yeah. Problem kids saying putting Loafer is surprisingly more violent now. Matt Paulin's in the chat saying, love it when I catch you live. Love when you catch me live as well, my friend. So yeah, I'm going to go Pudilova there, Pudilova by decision. All right, let's talk about the last three fights that people are probably most excited about. First up, Jose Aldo. Plus 120 against the machine, Marab Navalishvili. Minus 140 is what we're getting on his side. Highly debated fight throughout the week. You know, another similar fight in terms of the stipulations going into this fight compared to, you know, the, the the main event of last weekend of Dominic Cruz and Chito Vera, right? Possibly changing of the guard, passing of the torch, if you, that's what you want to call it. Obviously, the, pa- the, the torch was passed last week with Cruz losing to Marlon Vera the way that he did. Is Jose Aldo going to pass the torch here to um, Marab Devalishvili? Easy fight to break down, right? Marab, takedowns, control, pressure. Aldo, get up. (laughs) 
because he's going to get taken down. Let's be honest. He has a 90% takedown defense rate, but he's definitely going to get taken down here. But get up, land strikes on the feet, dish out damage, maybe find a KO. I like Jose Aldo in this spot. And, like, I, I'm doing my best to not get sucked into, you know, the whole Aldo and how great he used to be. And, you know, he's still fighting at a high level. He's still fighting at a level where he's getting solid quality wins and looking good doing so. His boxing looks better than it's ever been. You know, I wish he would still go back to his leg kicks a little bit more than he used to or like he used to. But at this point in time, you know, 15 fights after we started banging on him for not throwing enough leg kicks, I'm done trying to say he needs to throw more leg kicks. But his boxing looks great. His body work looks great. Betting Jose Aldo as an underdog against, you know, a guy that's still trying to prove himself in the top five. Not a bad look, right? I don't want to discredit Marab Davalashvili's wins by any means, right? Marlon uh, Marais is a solid win. Cody Stamen is a solid win. But, like, we're talking about Jose Aldo here, who seems to, you know, even at 35 years old, can still go out there and have solid performances. He'll be 36 in less than a, a month, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take Aldo here. I think he'll be able to get up enough. I think he'll be able to land more damage. You know, the reason Marab gets so many goddamn takedowns every fight is because his top control is not that great. He struggles to hold guys down. And Aldo, you know, one of the better takedown artists that we've ever seen inside the cage, or sorry, takedown defense guys that we've ever seen inside the cage and his get-ups, it's going to make it very difficult for Marab to really hold him down and land enough damage from on top. I think it's going to look maybe even similar to the, the Jack Cartwright fight. Maybe, you know, a poor man's version of the Jack Cartwright fight. By, and what I mean by that is we'll see a lot of takedowns from the from the Marab side, but we're not going to see enough damage, in my opinion. That's where Jose Aldo will start to pull ahead is with the damage. So give me Aldo. Give me Aldo by knockout, which I last saw at plus 450. I think he stuns the crowd here, and he pulls off a big win. And, and last thing I'll say about this, the lesson that I learned from the Cruz fight is don't go too deep on it, right? If you're getting plus money, go one unit. You don't need to go that heavy. You're getting underdog odds already. We don't need to prove a point by going even harder there. We have to take into consideration that this could be like a changing of the guard. This could be a different trajectories type of moment here where Marab's really on the upswing and Jose Aldo, you know, a little bit on the upswing, but not totally there to just be like he's a legitimate you know, title contender that we need to be like, okay, throw him into a title fight. If he gets a win here and knocks out Marab, we could talk about that. But that's yet to be seen. So give me Aldo. We, you know, we disrespected him by making him a small dog to Rob Font. Made him very close odds against fucking Pedro Munoz, which still confused about. I'm glad that I was able to catch that. But yeah, I like, uh, I like Aldo here. Damage versus output. But ultimately, I don't even think we're going to have to worry about Judges scorecards. I think we see Aldo get him out of there. Interestingly enough, the under two and a half is plus 170. If I doesn't go to decision, it's plus 150. Just throwing it out there. The, the thing I've been saying about Marab is, yes, he's a great fighter, great takedowns, great cardio, great energy, all that. But until you can fight somebody that can stuff enough takedowns, has a good enough get-up game, and is a, you know, a decidedly better striker, he's going to get butchered. You know, and, and it has decent enough cardio. I think Aldo has shown in his last couple of fights that his cardio can hold up at least in a three-round fight, maybe not so much in a five-round fight. 
But if you can put all those things together, I think Jose Aldo or whatever that fighter that I'm describing is can butcher Marab Davalashvili because Marab, we saw the Marlon Marais fight a little bit lackadaisical with the striking defense at times because he just uses his movement and his reckless style to close that distance and get fights to the ground. You can't be reckless against Jose Aldo, which is why, again, I'm taking Jose Aldo, Aldo by finish. Uh, let's see. Nick saying, I see Jose's getting sneaky knees and kicks on time takedown attempts. Just a weird feeling. Yep. Big Bird UFC saying, uh, Nate the train in the UFC. Sure. Uh, Alex, you saying Aldo will piece on Rob and I'll wrestle him defensively. I like it. Frank saying he's conflicted about this fight. I feel pretty good about Aldo personally. Problem Kid saying, you see how the judges scoring takedowns with no damage to the two? They aren't. Yes. AJ saying, AJ Fletcher, five, you know, lock. <laughs> good luck, my friend. I am picking him to win. I'll say that. Uh, Big Bird saying, I'd rather take fight goes to decision. Don't feel like dealing with controversial decision. Possible there. Problem Kid saying, if Marab was a good striker, I'd say, Changing of the guard, he doesn't lose to wrestlers, never has. Good point. Southpaw saying, geez, late night sesh, you know what it is, my man. Uh, betting Prodigy saying, Aldo all day here. Kind of feel like Aldo is a better version of Marais in a way, right? He is. I think so, even though Marais has beaten him. But I, I think so, for this specific type of fight, yeah, I agree with you. Big Bird saying, if Ice can't knock out Marab, then Aldo can't. <laughs> Good point. MPTV saying Marab by third round TKO. Aldo looks way different in round three than round one. He's looked pretty good in the past couple of round threes that I've seen him. Uh, betting Prodigy saying Marab by finish. He doesn't know, does he? I don't know. South Popex saying I like Marab's hand speed, pressure, and pace. 29 28. I've been on Aldo in his last three, but now it's time to hop off. We shall see. It's a tough test for him, for sure. I like Marab's style, but. This this is that barometer test for him. Can he get past Aldo? Can he get past the technical prowess of a striker like Aldo? The get-ups of Aldo? If he passes this test, I'll be a lot higher on Murad. All right, let's move on to the next one here. Co-main event. We got a middleweight fight between Paulo Bohachinha Costa going up against Luke Rockhold in terms of odds. We're looking at heavy chalk on the Costa side. Minus 350. Interesting because he was minus 275 a couple of days ago. Plenty of love and money coming in on him, making Luke Rockhold a plus 290 underdog. This is very similar to the Marcin Tybura fight for me in terms of if Romanov doesn't get the early finish or, you know, he can grind out and get a decision win as well. I'm not counting that out. But a lot of that, you know, minus 400, minus 350 on these guys are finish dependent finish reliant if paul costa is not able to get an early finish if paul costa doesn't get the finish period this fight will play out much closer than that minus 400 indicates luke rockhold is live in this spot but i just cannot for the life of me trust that durability and that chin of him especially against a heavy hitter like paulo costa that's where i fail to want to really jump on the luke rockhold train Luke Rockhold, skill-wise, is one of the greatest fighters ever. And people might shit on me for saying that, but he really is. Amazing striking, brutal body kicks, um, 
great jujitsu, solid wrestling, good top pressure. He had it all. Cardio was off the chain too. But that that fragility, that that chin issue started to rear its ugly head. And that's why Luke Rockhold has been starting to slow down in his career. Not to mention the plethora of, of injuries that he's had at this stage of his career, right? I think he's 37, Christian 38. We saw even Paulo Costa in his last fight not even trying go a solid five rounds against Marvin Vittori. You know I mean, not even trying. And what I mean by that is like, we so remember the whole light heavyweight change during fight week. Like it really did not seem like he gave a fuck that night. But we still saw a decent enough performance out of him. I think we'll see him land the big shot here against, um, against Rock Cold. I think we'll see him get him out of there. I was more on the train of betting Costa by KO at minus 120. Now it's up to about minus 170. I'll likely end up passing on it. But I don't want any of that minus 350 money line. Because if he doesn't knock him out, Rockhold's going to make this a very, very tough fight. Let's not forget that. Let us not forget that Luke Rockhold is still a beast and a savage. If his chin holds up, he has a good shot of really winning this fight. I'm just not on the train of going out there and backing that durability of him. So I'm going to go Costa, Costa KO. But please, please, please do not put all your eggs in this Paulo Costa basket. Because he could absolutely fumble the bag here. It's the lack of durability from Rockhold. It's the layoff. It's the injuries. It's all of that put together. It's his age. like, And now coming back against a heavy hitter like Paulo Costa, not a good look. But we we let that cloud our judgment. Like we let it cloud our judgment, or a lot of people's judgment. Nate Nate the train, right? Against David Onama. Guy's been knocked out twice in his UFC career out of four fights. He's gonna get knocked out by a heavy hitter like David Onama, right? Nope. Doesn't happen. Could absolutely happen here as well. I would feel more comfortable if I liked Paulo Costa to be a better minute winner. Like if he's a guy that goes out there and throws volume and, you know, we, we can rely on him to maybe go for a takedown and try to do some winning minute winning things. I'd be a little bit more confident in playing that minus 350 chalk. But like a lot of it is just banked on him getting this knockout. But what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? So give me Boa Chinia by knockout, but I just, I, I can't get to the betting window on it. Good luck to anybody betting Rockhold. The fan in me will be cheering for Rockhold. I was in attendance the night that he captured the middleweight title from Chris Weidman. UFC 190, 189, sorry. Same night, Connor knocked out Aldo in 13 seconds. But we shall see whether the old Lions, Aldo and Rockhold, funnily enough, fighting on the same card here, if they can get it done. I think Aldo does. I don't think that Luke does. Alex, you saying Coleman is going to be full of memes? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Southpaw saying Costa by KO, best bet, probably a piece of the night. Could happen. Matt Pollan saying, don't better draw ever. They don't give you enough value for that. I agree on that. Nick saying, I have no idea how people can trust Costa after the weight cuts. He looks in phenomenal shape. We'll see what he looks like Friday morning, though. Matt Pollan saying, possible split. MPTV saying, if Costa grazes Rockhold's chin, hair... Uh, the fight's over, possibly. Rockhold was talking out of his ass today, complaining so much before his fight. Yeah, a lot more than we're used to seeing from him. Very interesting, right? 
Alex, are you saying this fight, this might be Costa's last fight in the UFC? Yes, it is the last fight of his contract. I wouldn't be surprised to see him jump ship to go somewhere else. Andrew Logan saying, I don't know how people can trust Luke's chin. And that's ultimately why I can't take the value that's going to be on Luke this weekend. Again, he is value. He is the money line side. But I think he gets knocked out. Southpaw pick saying, Costa's too overwhelming. He will break Luke. Costa's a savage. Matt Pollan saying, I think UFC is giving Costa a layup here. Wow. Jimmy the Drunk saying, these two guys go on a date after their fight minus 200. <laughs> I love it. Matt Pollan saying, come on, we haven't seen Rock Cold fight in for three years. Hasn't really been that long. It was the Jan Blahovich fight, which was the last one, right? And I remember him ha I remember having him pretty big in that fight. Wow, July of 2017. I'm oh, sorry, July of 2019. Excuse me. He was scheduled to fight uh, Sean Strickland back in November, but he got a herniated disc. The guy just cannot, you know, get it going in terms of his body. Sucks to see. Betting Prodigy taking Rockhold by decision. I think he has finishing upside as well. Alex, he's saying Luke is going to get cracked again. Tristan saying Rockhold going to be this week's Jason Witt. Ouch. <laughs> Funnily enough, I'm glad that you brought up Jason Witt because, like, I was thinking of saying it in at least my Patreon breakdown, but I, I typed it out and then I erased it. But I was saying Rockhold is a glorified version of Jason Witt at this point in his career. But, like, I just didn't feel like that was giving him enough justice, right? Like, Jason Witt... Not as good of a striker as Rockhold. Maybe good, just as good wrestling, like from a poor man's perspective. But yeah, hilarious that you brought up Jason Witt because I was thinking the same thing. Problem kid thinks Costa going to smoke him. Jimmy the Drunk saying more likely a Costa win or Costa weight miss. Definitely Costa win. I think he makes weight. Problem kid saying can't trust a dude coming off uh, three year layoff and three to four brutal knockouts. Yes, it was actually two brutal knockouts. Yeah, two knockouts. Well, three if you want to include the Michael Bisbing one. But he did manage to squeeze in a David Branch demolishment in between that. Uh, Boob saying, is this live? Yes, it is, my friend. MPTV saying, the fact that Bisbing is Rockhold's biggest rivalry makes me pick Costa. Rockhold is 10 years late to the prom. <laughs> yes. They're boys now, which is funny enough. Nick saying, did you see Costa's poll he put up on Twitter asking if he would miss weight? It was like 90% people saying no. <laughs> you know he's going to make the weight. You know it. Let's be honest. Problem kids saying, never bet any fighters. Fuck their pedigree. Chins don't care about your record or who you beat. I agreed. Might be Luke last fight too. Got to take advantage of that broke chin. And one thing about what Problem Kid saying said here, like you got to pick your spots because there are times where chinny fighters could go out there and get the win. Nate Landwehr, perfect example, right? Sometimes chins hold up, sometimes they don't. But as of late, it has not been. All right. Uh, I do want to dispel something here. Big Bird UFC saying Gustafson's situation. Luke coming back for the paycheck and the game has passed him. Costa Ramon KO. I don't agree. Um, I don't agree that he's coming back for the paycheck. I know he's getting paid very well for all the modeling shit that he did. He does not need money. He absolutely does not need money here. I think he truly likes to fight 
And I truly think he wants to change the perception of what his career has become. Still think he's going to get knocked out, though. Jimmy the Drunk saying, so we're thinking Costa versus Rockhold 2 in December in Bellator. Winner gets Melvin Manoff. Maybe they'll allow them to do all the juice as well so Costa's chin could come back. Or sorry, Rockhold's chin could come back. Matt Paul and saying Bisping would still be Rockhold. Ooh, nah, nah. You're, you're, nah, that's, as the kids say, that's cap. That is absolute cap. Rockhold beats the fuck out of Bisping at this point in time. Daz Fowl saying, was watching you with Eric on Gordos. Hey, live best. Let's fucking go. Appreciate that, my friend. Alexandre Hibero saying, what do you do if you catch Costa giving Mrs. Jazz back shots? What am I going to do? Nothing I can do. <laughs> Andrew Winkler saying Dober McKinney is the most handsome fight. Ooh, no, McKinney, huge drop off there. Alta Moreno is third of under two and a half is minus 180. I love it. I got in at minus 160. Southpaw pick saying Luke Marlin Clear was only booming when he was relevant. He looks old and washed. Still got paid a fuck ton from that. <laughs> All right, uh, main event time, main event time, main event time. Let's get to it. But first, shout out to the 60 live viewers. Now we have banging with us on this uh, 1.30 a.m. edition of the MMA Lockcast. Appreciate everybody hanging with us here. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe below if you haven't already. Let's get right into this. Um, Kamar Usman coming in as a minus 380 favorite, plus 310 to return on Leon Edwards. Kamar Usman looking to defeat Leon Edwards for a second time and break the winning streak record in the UFC, which is currently held by Anderson Silva. He's looking to beat it this weekend if he's able to go out there and beat Usman. Um, I don't see it going any different than the first fight, right? Both guys have made tremendous improvements since their first fight. Usman, you know, likely going down and trying to make a case for himself to be one of the greatest fighters of all time. And I will continue to beat that drum just based off of his skill set alone, right? Grappling, wrestling, cardio, output, improving striking. He has it all. The guy is legit. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time, just based off that skill set alone. Not a lot of guys are able to hang with him. The only guy to even get close is Kobe Covington. Because Kobe Covington is pretty much the same, same is a carbon copy of Usman. And we saw it in their two fights, right? The, the biggest moments in those fights was obviously Usman breaking his jaw, uh, breaking Kobe's jaw. And then uh, the two knockdowns that he had in that second round. But outside of that, fight was kind of close. So I, I, I still think Usman goes out there and does work. I think that we'll see him go to his grappling more than he has over his last couple of fights. I just don't see how Leon wins this fight other than a Hail Mary KO. I don't see him winning a decision. I think Usman grapples him into the ground more often than not. And I think that Usman is live for a late finish. As my guy Boob just said here, let's not forget Leon got rocked by Nate Diaz in his last fight. I think that was, you know, due to exhaustion. Because that was a, remember, that was a five-round fight. I think that he was starting to slow down there. Usman's not going to slow down. Usman will put the pressure on him from minute one to minute 25. So an Usman finish is absolutely live here. I feel like people might be looking to 
eke one out by taking Kamar Usman by decision. I think you might be playing with a little bit of fire there. If you can get, let me see what Fanduel is holding it at here, but Usman by round four, round five, and decision. What's that sitting at? Um, Usman, round four, round five. Decision minus 155. Wow. That is a much better line than paying minus 460 on Usman. I might just pay minus 450, or sorry, minus 155 on that. That is a great line. I think Usman starts to pull away with this late, but damn. I was expecting that closer to being like minus 250, minus 300. Like, I don't think he knocks out Leon Edwards early here. I think this goes into the fourth, fifth rounds. I think this is going to be a lot of grappling. Yeah, I might take a, a small shot here on Usman round four or five decision. So yeah, again, not the not the greatest way of breaking this fight down. It's a very rudimentary fight. Leon needs to get have success with his um, grappling. Oh, we had a uh, troll in here. I didn't even realize. I apologize for not getting him out sooner. I don't know what it is with these people. Like, it's fucking one forty-five a.m. and you want to come out here and try to talk shit. <laughs> like, get a life, fucking. I was about to say a very bad word that I shouldn't be saying on streams, so no, keep it off that. Um, yeah, Usman wins this fight. Round four or five decision, I think, is the best bet at minus 155. I haven't parlayed as well with that uh, to cap off that four-legger that I told you guys throughout the stream. Once again, that four-legger that I have is uh, Usman, Maverick, Albazi, and the under one and a half in the Huntsucker fight. I put three units at plus 130. Plus 131, sorry. There you guys go. All right, let's see what the chat is saying here, and then I'm going to slowly wrap this thing up. Uh, Uncle Wheezy in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. I know it's late for you as well. Um... Oh, I did miss a couple messages before that. Costa versus Jake Paul. Nah. MPTV saying, uh, luck, I was waiting to join your Patreon starting in November or October. If Costa Rockhold goes a distance, I will join that Sunday. Either way, I'm joining. Appreciate the love, my friend. Again, I'm never pressuring people to join it. I'll always throw it out there. If you want to join, join. If not, it's all good. Great Discord community in there as well. Just another positive. Appreciate that. Um, Big Bird saying, can we run Sam Alvey versus Jason Wynn in Rec MMA? Shout out to Rec MMA. I guess you're an Ottawa guy, if I'm not mistaken. Big Bird, appreciate that. Love. Took care of Alan saying, let's fucking go. Match to catch this last part live, at least. You can go back and watch the replay as well. MPTV saying, I was going to join in October because it's my birthday month, as it is mine. <laughs> Matt Paulin saying, if I see Alfie in the UFC one more time, he is not in the UFC. He has officially been cut. Andrew Winkler saying, thank you for being on this late. 3.30 p.m. in Sydney, Australia. Shout out to my mates down under. I completely butchered that. I apologize. Appreciate the love, my friend. <laughs> Jimmy the Drunk saying, plus 3.10. I'll take my chances. Good luck, my friend. Southpaw playing, this is Usman's last fight. I don't think so. 
Uh, Boobsang taking a second loan on Usman. Not a bad look. <laughs> MPTV saying Leon is an expensive man's Jorge Masvidal. Usman to win a crotch-sniffing decision. Right there, which is well. Southpaw saying Usman going to win and bid farewell to the sport and allow Hamza to claim the next era. I think he fights Hamza before he hangs it up. Fender Jazz saying I'm picking Usman, rooting for Edwards big time and betting absolutely nothing on this fight. I don't hate that as well. Daz saying Usman and Maverick in nearly all my parlays. Please, please, MMA gods. No funny stuff. I don't hate that. I think they are the two, you know, throw out Bazi in there. I think those are like the three money line spots that are a can't miss spot. Barbarina saying almost finished. Oh, sorry. Southpaw pick saying Barbarina almost finished Leon late in their fight as well. Yeah, he does start to slow down late in fights. I think people continue to overlook that. Uh, problem kids saying if Nate Diaz can rock Leon when Nate offer really known resistance on the mat and not much on the feet at all, he's going to gas bad against Usman and then get smoked bad too. I'm hoping Usman keeps it until late in that fight though. Nick saying I want to put together a fucking parlay for underdogs on the last three fights here. I want to will it into existence. It's not going to happen, my friend. It's not going to happen. Uh... <laughs> Problem kid saying I reported it. Didn't want to comment and give him a reaction like he wanted. Racists are dirty people. My brother loves the way you handled him. Is what it is, man. People are crazy out here. Robert Chell is saying Usman saying Usman is the welterweight goat is laughable. Wow. Hey, I love I love um GSP, right? Canadian guy. I think he's one of the greatest welterweights of all time. But like skill-wise, I think he's definitely up there. And again, it's it's not his fault in terms of who's ahead of him. He's fighting everybody that they're putting in front of him, and he's beating them quite decidedly outside of Colby Compton, who I believe is the number two guy. Detective Allen saying, found a $50 bill on the ground today, but to join up for it. <laughs> it's only five bucks a month. Why are you acting like it's so expensive? It's only five bucks a month. Jeez. Uh, Jay Perron gets it done. I think he wins. MMA betting. Prodigy saying picking Usman sprinkled someone Edwards by decision plus 700. I'd be surprised if he wins via decision. Usman Anjum saying I got fade a guy with my name. Ooh, you're going to fade Leon? If I remember correctly, only one of these guys has made an opponent cry in the UFC octagon. John Jones. <laughs> Frank Jordan saying good night, Locke. Thanks for staying up. Thanks for the love as always, my friend. Oh, addicted to combat in the chat saying, What's up, Locke? Over four and a half at minus 155 is probably the only way I'm attacking the main event this week. Good luck, my friend. MPTV saying, Great show, man. Pre your service for putting out all this content. Rest well. Appreciate the love, my friend. Fender Jazz saying, Wreck MMA. Love those shows. Nerves were shot watching my friends fight, though. I actually helped out with one of the Wreck MMA fights way back in the day. When Randy Turner lost to, uh, can't remember the kid's name from fucking Winnipeg, but the kid took the fight on like less than 12 hours notice because his own opponent fell out. And then this guy goes in there as a big underdog, or at least seemingly a big underdog, and uh, against the hometown guy and chokes him out very quickly. And I've never heard an MMA crowd more silent than I did that night. <laughs> Shout out to Wreck MMA. Um... Southpaw Peck saying Usman, GSP, maybe, maybe. Uh, Detective Allen saying it's not expensive, I'm just broke. I get it. Boob saying GSP dealt with the same not-the-goat drama when he was beating everyone too. 
Yep. Robert Charles saying, skill-wise, he's the worst champion outside of Ngannou. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Fuck out of here with that. He wins off size and attributes. Wow. Wrestling is not a skill. Cardio output. Wow. That's wild. Uh, Jimmy the Drunk saying, no, Leon made Bilal cry. Did he? I didn't realize that. I know he poked his eye, but did that force him to cry? Is that what you mean? <laughs> MPTV saying, is it fair to say that the welterweight division is the least talented top 10 on another combo for another day? Ask me that on MMA Lock Talk tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern, if you want to. But quick answer, I'd agree. I, I'd kind of agree. Uh, betting Prodigy saying, did you see the clip of Rock Hulk confronting that reporter? Reporter sounded like he was about to cry. It's that guy from Full Send. It's whatever. Um, problem K, what time tomorrow? 4 p.m. Eastern on my channel. 5 p.m. Eastern for propping you up with me and Cody. Nick saying, take it easy, man, for you. Hopefully I'll be able to capture more of these live. Monday to Thursday, for sure, concrete 4 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. I just chat with the chat, so make sure you come through for that. But the rest of these podcasts are kind of sporadic in terms of when I drop it. Robert Chalice saying he's definitely pound for pound number one, though. Now Volkanovski four beating Holloway three times. Volkanovski could be up there too. Uh, Fender Jazz saying, dude, I train with Randy Turner. He went on to a pro career. I went on to drink a lot of beer. <laughs> Shout out to Randy Turner, a Canadian legend that not a lot of pro people will actually know. MMA betting prodigy saying Turner versus Ann Halliger is the fight I believe you're thinking of. Lock. No, it's not that one. It was Randy Turner. Let me pull this up. Uh, again, I worked this fight the, the whole week I was there. Uh, Michael Bannon. Randy Turner versus Michael Bannon. Choked him out in 56 seconds. That's the one that I'm talking about. In front of his home crowd. Rec MMA 2.0. I believe... Random Marcos was on that card as well. And I had to go get her a pregnancy test because it was required by the commission. <laughs> Let me see if there's any other names that I think are of note. Random Marcos, Mitch Wardenberg. That guy was an absolute beast as well. Yeah, those are really the only guys. Love going back down memory lane. All right. Uh, last question here I'll take from Boobs saying, Locke, do you think the Usman line will improve throughout the week or will it just get stronger? I'm seeing some resistance, right? We're seeing some love on Leon Edwards and that's why we're getting minus 380 now. But I think it's going to stick around that minus 350, minus 400 range. So I think this, what you're getting now is likely what you get by fight time as well. All right. Appreciate the love as always. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Um, I got to go do a bunch of other stuff before I go to sleep. Uh, lock the night, dog the night, up uh, standing updates. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to those tonight. I'll try to do those tomorrow. Uh, but I do have to finish my best bets and props article for the Patreon as well. And then I'm going to finally get some sleep. So probably a 3 a.m., 4 a.m. night for you, for your boy. Appreciate the love. Appreciate everybody checking out the show. Hit that like and subscribe on the way out. I'll catch you guys tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here for the MMA Lock Talk. 5 p.m. Eastern on the All-Star for propping you up with Cody. That's it. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Have a good night. Good morning, wherever you guys are. Good afternoon, wherever you guys are. Appreciate the support as always. Catch you guys tomorrow. Peace out.